You're listening to The Hoof of the Horse, a podcast dedicated to farriery and equine science with Dr. Simon Curtis. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Hoof Care Essentials Foundation and their partner, the Horseshoe Barn. In August uh, 2019, I travelled down to New Zealand And one of the people that I wanted to do a podcast with was Lindsay Field. Now, Lindsay doesn't consider herself to be a barefoot trimmer, although she does trim her own horse. But she's become quite well known because she's been something of a Facebook phenomenon by her investigation into what I would say is the equine foot, although she says it's the study of the equine hoof but maybe we can get into the difference at some other point. Uh, She began this journey only a few years ago, and she's built up, I think now, possibly up to 38,000 people following her. And so we'll see why that happened during this discussion. But I do try and face up to some of the difficult questions, shall we say, the elephant in the room, if you want to look at it like that, about barefoot trimming, Uh, And we get into a long discussion about, shall we say, the evils of horseshoeing or the benefits as I tend to look at it. We also go into and and look at white line uh, and the terminology and the anatomy of white line disease or CD toe and other terms that can be used to cover that. I've come back up to Auckland in New Zealand as part of my trip this year and I've had the chance to catch up with a lady who has the amazing following of over 32,000 people on Facebook and she is the author and presenter of The Study of the Equine Foot. So I'm speaking to Lindsay Field. Good evening, Lindsay. Good evening. All right, so this is unusual because you're not a farrier, you're not the first person who's not a farrier for me to talk to. but I did discover something about you today. I thought you weren't even a barefoot trimmer, but you, you've trimmed your own horse, haven't you? So yeah. how did that happen? Well, when I first got my horse, I was an adult returning to riding at the age of, oh gosh, 40, 48. And I wanted to learn to trim my own horse because every time the trimmers came out, uh, my horse was quite sore afterwards for about two weeks. And I thought, I can't have this because it meant I couldn't ride. And so I decided that I would learn to trim. And that's really what I've been doing in the last four years with my own horses, trimming my own. So you, you still trim your own? I still trim my own, but I do have some help. I have a couple of trimmers that do come in and help me and to to tweak what I do and to give me some, um, to, just to mentor my work and to make sure that I'm on the right track and that I'm not doing anything horribly wrong. But I know that my horses are very, um, they're, they're very good underfoot. They're quite good on all rocks and we don't have any lameness. So I think I'm on the right track. And I think I've seen pictures of you riding along the beach. That's right. So the beach is my, is my sanctuary. We've got a beach called Irira Beach, which is about three kilometres long. It's 15 minutes away from me. I can load up my horse in my trailer. At six o'clock in the morning, I can get down to the beach within 15 minutes and I can ride that beach. And um, yeah, that's my special place. Sounds like paradise. It is absolute paradise. 
So, uh, of course, I, I made the mistake of coming here in New Zealand in, in the middle of winter. <laughs> yeah. And um, I would have to say it's not like a winter in the UK. So, you know, it's, it's quite manageable. Everybody here in New Zealand feels the cold at this time of year because it's what you're used to, whereas I'm thinking that this is okay. Yeah, I think it's freezing. And, um, you know, I think I said to you, bring your slippers because you're going to need them. And I've had to put electric blankets on the beds because it's so cold. And you're laughing because you think it's quite warm. I, I think it's okay. I mean, it feels like a sort of April day in England or something like that. It certainly doesn't feel like the middle of winter. So, and you haven't actually been long riding, have you? No. I learnt to ride as a child of 12, 13, 14, then went away from horses because boys came onto the scene. And then I was an adult returning to riding probably four years now because my son dated a girl who had a horse and that still wasn't on my radar, but I dropped him off at the stables and there were these horses and I could smell them and I could hear the, the clip-clop on the, on the um, concrete. And I just felt, well, it was almost like a religious conversion. I felt like I'd been transported back to this 12-year-old this and my heart was beating and I, and I fell in love and, and I rushed back to my husband and said, I found what I need. And he says, what? I said, I need a horse. He went, you are joking. I said, no. I think I need to, to do something in my life. I think I need to have a horse in my life. And that's really how it started. Okay, I've got to ask you, because one of the main reasons I came over and one of the things that, I know it doesn't just intrigue me, Lindsay, it intrigues a lot of us, that within two years you got 32,000 <laughs> followers, didn't you, on Facebook? Yeah, and counting. <laughs> and... Um, and obviously, that's the study of the equine foot, and um, it's the study of the equine hoof. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I consider my wrist to be slapped. Yeah. There. So the foot and the hoof are two different things. Aren't I know they? that. You know, I know that. All right. So, so you get this number. Tell me, you must have some idea how you managed to have this explosion of followers. Yeah. Well, about two years ago, like I mentioned that. I wanted to learn how to trim and because I'm a scientist by trade I'm a clinical researcher I'm, I've got a very inqu a really inquiring mind and I'm always looking behind the scenes of all sorts of scientific things and I wanted to get a foot a cadaver foot and I wanted to rasp it back to see how far I could go before I hit blood I know that sounds awful but I wanted to see just how much you need well, you could take it's off. better to do it on a cadaver yeah. foot than a live foot <laughs> and that was really my my first thought was you know how much can you take off before you hit blood anyway I was lucky to uh, attend a, a, a whole, whole horse dissection with Sharon May Davis and the one thing I really wanted to look at was the feet. And we didn't really look at the feet. We looked at all the muscles and everything else. And oh, I, all I could do was look at these feet on this horse. And I thought, if only I could just op open them up and look at them. But we didn't really look at them. Um, and then luckily, my husband, he went to a pet food factory. Sounds awful. And he presented me with six cadaver feet for me what, to study. What a loving husband. I know, so I didn't get flowers, I got these cadaver feet. And I thought that, you know, if I'm really gonna learn to trim, I need to know what it looks, what they look like inside. And that's really how it all started. So 
the first foot that I looked at, I videoed what I was doing and I was, I literally did the dissection in my laundry room with a couple of rudimentary lights and a very rudimentary video camera and I videoed everything and I chatted about what I was doing and I put it on Facebook because I wanted to have a record of what I was doing. It was really my own personal study. It wasn't really to go anywhere but I thought that that would be a good medium for me. And I sort of did this for a few months. It was probably about three months. And then I looked at a foot, which is called Hoof W. And Hoof W was a foot that I thought was a really beautiful looking foot. And it just had like a little hole in the, in the toe, just where the white line was. And it didn't really look anything bad at all. But as soon as I sliced that foot um, in half, a sagittal section using a bandsaw, there was seedy toe that had gone right up almost to the coronary band. And it was an absolute eye-opener that a foot that looked perfect on the outside was hiding a multitude of pathology on the inside. And it was that video that escalated from, I had about 250 followers at that time and it's escalated to where we are today you know the, I don't even know what we are I think we might be in 36,000 you know it's it's a huge number and um, yeah I think I was very lucky with Hoof W but I think what it did is it actually it served a purpose it opened up a, a need for people people needed to see what was inside the foot they needed to see from um, not from somebody that who was um, going to talk down to them or talk to them with big words, big um, Greek words of anatomy. I think I spoke to people in a on a level that they understood because that was the level that I understood. You know, I was very rudimentary at the beginning and, and I think that's why it's, it's escalated so much. And just tell us how many views that video oh, had. Oh gosh, I think we're over, over a million on that, on that <laughs> foot. Hoof W. Yes. <laughs> I'm interested in the fact that you use the term CD toe, which I do. Yeah. You don't use the term white line disease. No. Though. Can you tell no. us why? Well, I think I think the word, and I've seen it in the literature, white line disease, it's, it's really, I don't think it really is white line disease. It's not really, I don't think it's really a disease of the white line. Although I do think that, you know, you have a... There's, a, there's something wrong with the structure of the foot, which is allowing the bacteria and the fungi to get in. But I, don't, I personally don't feel it's white line disease. And CD toe is also, I don't think, a very good word for it either. Do you know what the old term was? Onco something. Oh, no, no, that's onychomycosis. <laughs> yes. that, that just means rotten horn. Oh. <laughs> so anybody with rotten fingernails or toes has that. Right. Um, no, it was, it was another simple term. It was hollow hoof. Ah, yes. And I'm, I'm told that the German term is exactly that, in yeah, German, hollow I, hoof, which yeah. actually describes it very well. It really does, because, you know, this. some of them that I, some of these feet that I open up, they are literally eaten away with black, um, just like a black powder inside. And it is literally hollow, and you can actually tap the hoof capsule, and you, you can hear that it's hollow. It's quite that weird. That used to be an old test for it actually oh. okay so i i try not to get too hung up on the term but i have made a little bit of a thing and 
you might have read in, in The Hoof of the Horse, I sort of, well, I got on my high horse. <laughs> uh, mainly because I think it's anatomically incorrect to yeah. call it... City toe. No, no, it... to call it white line right. disease. Because it, yeah. it, it, it's a condition of the zona elba. Yes. And it's not only in the toe. It can be anywhere yeah. in, um, in the zona alba of the hoof capsule. So maybe we should run a campaign to take it back to hollow hoof. <laughs> yes. All right. So you, you went through this process, this really rapid process mm. of building a big following. Uh, and you've continued making your videos. And now people can find you on Patreon. Can you tell me something about Patreon? Yeah, well... Earlier on, I, when, I, when I first started this, I realised that I really needed to have some serious funding in order to give people what they needed. It was all very well me doing these videos in my laundry with rudimentary lighting. I needed to have a, a much better setup because of my following. I really need to, I need, needed to up my game. But to do that, I needed some finance. And also, a lot of people that saw my videos were literally saying to me, I want to support you because you're doing something that we really need to see. This is so amazing. People need to know what's going on in the foot. I'd like to send you some money. And honestly, I was getting a lot of messages like that. And so I investigated how could I have a platform to give, get me some, um, some money coming in, some vital funding, and to give people value for their money so patreon is really a it's a it's a website to reward people for what they're doing either the arts or, um, or cartoons or books or anything like that where they're following their passion and they're not getting paid for it so i put i put my videos my full-length videos on patreon and so that my followers can support what i'm doing they can help me financially and what they get is they get my full-length videos. So when I talk about a full-length video, I'm talking about maybe a 15-20 minute video on Patreon. Whereas on Facebook, what I'll do is I'll just do snippets of that video. But I also do put a lot of information out on, on Facebook because I feel that there's a, a, a desperate need for people to see what's going on inside the foot. And they might not have the funds to support me on Patreon. And that's fine. Well, you've proved that there's a desperate need because yeah. of uh, the numbers of followers. But, I mean, I have to ask you this, Lindsay. Do you actually think that somebody's only been studying the, the equine foot for two years should be putting out videos? Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good thought. Look, when I first started, I felt I felt like a fraud and I felt like I was maybe misleading people because a lot of people were contacting me and asking me questions and I'm thinking you know I'm not the person to be answering these questions I've literally just started this journey and maybe I'm putting myself across as some sort of expert and so in my earlier videos I made it absolutely clear that this is my own personal journey and if you would like to come and join me and learn with me that is fantastic let's learn together and many a time I kept saying, look, I'm not an expert, I'm not a farrier, I'm not a trimmer, I'm not a vet, I'm just a scientist with an insane interest in the, in the equine hoof. And so I hope that that message has got across that I'm not an expert, but in the two years that I have been doing this now, I've learned so much from lots of people 
from attending lots of seminars, from reading, from reading research papers. I'm doing an, an equine science degree with the Equine Science Academy. That's given me lots more information and understanding about the foot and about the horse in general. So in terms of should I be putting these videos out with only two years knowledge? Yeah, I think I should because this is a journey for everybody to learn with me. I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'm saying, come with me, learn with me. I've got this foot. I don't know what's going to be inside. Let's have a look on the outside. Let's think about what we're seeing and let's correlate to what we're seeing on the outside to the inside. So let's open it up and let's see what we're seeing together and let's discuss it. You know, I would never say that I was an expert in this. It's, it's a journey for everybody to learn with me. And to be fair to you, Lindsay, I had to ask the question, <laughs> but, you know, I've looked at enough of your videos and I've never heard you make out that you're some expert and you make it quite clear that you're looking and you're sort of looking along with everybody else and hope they'll join you. So, so that's fair enough. All right, so do you have future plans for the, the direction your studies will go? Yes, I do. Thanks to my Patreons, I was able to drop down one day a week of my paid works, and I only work four days a week, and Fridays is my research day, it's my hoof day. And what I plan to do is I want to really do, I want to put out more videos. I want to actually have a, a website, really, because I want to have more things on this website and the other um, other people can actually collaborate with me and join me on the website. That that's that's where I think I want to go. Oh gosh, I'd like to get more educated. We were talking earlier on whether I should do a PhD, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know how I'm I'm so old. I don't think I could possibly. Lindsay, I'm, you're I'll younger be dead than when before. I. You're younger <laughs> than when I started mine. Listen, you you still wouldn't break my record as being the world's <laughs> oldest student. So. Oh, well, you've sort of got me going now, talking about a PhD. <laughs> so my OCD is starting to kick in really hard, thinking, can I, can't I? But yeah, where do I want to go with this? Look, I'm not getting any younger. Ideally, I would like to work two days a week at my paid job. I'd like to do three days a week doing my equine work. I'd like to have workshops. I'd like to have guest speakers. I would just like it to take over more of my life. But I also need it to, to fund my future, to fund my retirement. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking for, you know, to become a millionaire out of this, but I want to be able to at least um, fund what I'm doing. I know, you shouldn't have to subsidise yeah, it, Yeah, I you? want to buy more equipment. I mean, I've just bought a stereo microscope because my Patreon supported me to, to purchase that. Now, I couldn't have done this on my own, so I need the funding in order to keep moving forward and keep producing videos and pushing back a few more boundaries like I've just invested in a, a hydraulic press and what I want to show is I want to show a whole leg well half a leg and the way it moves with a hydraulic press and um, I want to do slow motion and oh there's so much I want to do <laughs> well it sounds like it's going to keep you busy anyway Lindsay yeah, yeah you know uh, no wonder you're going to have to cut down on your paint, <laughs> yeah. right? But, but it is, it, I mean, to say it's infinite is an exaggeration, but it, it's fairly endless, isn't it? The yeah. amount that you can do when you yeah. get into it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to some of those things. Mm. Uh, Lindsay, you have told me before 
uh, that you lean more towards barefooters and you uh, do trim your own horse. Is that because you think that shoeing is a necessary evil or, or maybe an unnecessary <laughs> evil? Oh, that's a hard question um, because I want to be really open-minded about barefoot and about shoes and being a scientist I have to look at everything. I can't be closed in and say only barefoot or only shod. You know, I have to be very open and have a critical thinking mind. But why did I want to go barefoot with my own horses? I think that I was influenced very much by Pete Ramey. He's a barefoot um, trimmer. He used to be a farrier and he's gone the barefoot route. And I had all his books and I was absolutely besotted by what he said. And I felt that it was the absolute only way to go, being barefoot. So in a way, I have been a little bit indoctrinated with the barefoot side. And then I needed to learn with doing my study equine foot, the equine hoof, that we need, I needed to consider shoes as well. Now the problem is, is I actually don't know enough about shoeing. All I know is what I've read about all the evils of shoeing. Right. So, you know, I could say to you, you know, what I've read in books and what and all the all the different um, the literature that I've read about how shoes destroy horses' feet. And so I can't help but keep having that in the back of my mind that shoes destroy feet. And it's, um, it's, it's really hard for me to then feel that it's all okay. And some of the things that um, I, I've, been, I've, I've read is that shoes stop the hoof from flexing. And it's designed to flex and move, not just in and out, but, you know, um, okay. warp and... <laughs> well, it, it doesn't stop it because we have high speed filming that will show that quite extraordinarily even quite thick steel shoes flex with the foot. Right. And maybe, you see, I asked that question at 17 years old to quite a well-known uh, farrier, and I said, um, yeah, you know, uh, we need the foot to flex. And he said, well, what makes you think that? The horse comes from a quite an arid area of the world, and actually a lot of the problems that we get is because the hoof flexes too much. Right. In other words, Maybe shoes help by reducing that. And one of the proofs of that is that uh, people often complain that vets will lunge their horse on a tight circle barefoot mm -hmm. and it's, then it's diagnosed as unsound. Mm -hmm. You put shoes on it mm -hmm. and do the same thing mm -hmm. and it's sound. Yes. Is that not proof that the hoof maybe flexes too much yeah. in, in a damp climate? No, anyway. That's interesting. Interesting way of thinking, yeah. What about concussion? What about when the, you know, the, the concussion of the steel going up the leg? Well, concussion, yeah, steel definitely increases concussion. Well, aluminium possibly does as well. I have a personal feeling that, and, and it has been shown, there's only been one study, and I can't quote the author, that actually if you put 8mm steel on, shoes on, you reduce the effect quite a bit. In other words, if you can go down from 10 to 8. Right. So, so undoubtedly, yeah, there is an increase in the shock. Mm. Um, but I, I think the, the thing you have to think about, Lindsay, is what top class horse in any event ever did it any good when it was barefoot? Mm. There is a reason why we need to shoe them to increase their performance. Mm -hmm. And if you love natural, mm. what on earth are you doing sitting on the back of your horse? Well, that's true, yeah. Anyway, 
I hope we continue this this debate. It's a huge debate. <laughs> so, so we we sort of I've only just um, covered that a little bit, but I'm I'm glad I asked you the question. Okay, so I have to get to the point where I ask you the deep philosophical question, and that is, um, what is the most important thing you think you've learnt in your life? To do with the equine, or to do with my life? You can give me two answers then. I think to do with your life. To do with my life? Yeah. To learn to be in the moment, not think about yesterday or tomorrow, to think about the now, and to ground yourself, ground myself in the now. Okay. And and enjoy the sounds, the smells, the sights of the now. Right. So what about, what's the most important thing you've learnt? Yeah. <laughs> about the equine? Yes. Most important thing... Well, for me, in terms of being an adult, coming back to horses, it has given me a whole new life. My life has changed completely. Horses are absolutely a pivot to my life now. And I don't know if I could ever be without them. And I think that the horse, my horses have helped my own mental health and my um, just my peace of mind and... Um, I think that's what I've learned from having horses. That sounds deeper than the, than the, than the life <laughs> Bit question. deep, yeah. No, no, but that's why I call it the deep philosophical <laughs> question. So have you learned something from your studies that would benefit the horse or benefit people that are engaged in hoof care? Yeah. What I have learned time and time again is that so many people will pick out their horse's feet but don't really look at their feet properly. When I say properly, I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean they don't know what they're looking for. And I think that if, if everyone could at least once a week or once every two weeks get the scrubbing brush out, get a, a bucket of soapy water and scrub those soles of those feet and have a really good look at what's going on, they'll learn so much and they'll see if there are little cracks and crevices or if there are stones that have worked their way up in the white line or thrush is another thing. A lot of horses are very, very sore with thrush and their owners just can't see it. And it's, you know, it's epidemic for us in New Zealand, but it takes the owners to really look at the feet and look at them critically, not just trust the farrier or the barefoot trimmer to do their job every four to six weeks. The time in between that professional coming is absolutely critical. They, they can't leave it to the farrier and the trimmer. I think that's what I've learned, a real take-home message for me. Looking at all of these feet, hundreds of feet that I've dissected over the last two years, the patterns, are, are, I'm seeing them again and again and again. So do you think that you've got a prevalence of thrush here in New Zealand because... It's a subtropical climate. I, I'm assuming this far north you're subtropical, aren't you? It's certainly yeah. a warm and damp climate. Yeah, no, it? it is a warm and damp climate. And, um, do you know, I really, I can't really put my finger on why we've got such a big problem here. I mean, it does seem to be worse in the winter for us when it's very wet. But even in the summer, my horses have suffered with thrush um, when it's been dry as anything. And I think that... What it is, is that I haven't been on top of killing the organism dead and setting the foot up to succeed. 
setting the foot up to be healthy enough to or enable to resist the, th the thrush organism. The thing is, is that this organism is in the soil and is in the faeces and it's around all the time. So I feel as though as soon as you treat the thrush and you get rid of it, as soon as the horse goes out into the paddock, it's getting reinfected. Yeah. yeah. And and that's that's something I just really want to get a handle on. I don't understand why why it's such a problem. But even in um, even in uh, America, in some of the hot, dry places, there are pictures of frogs where they have this little slit up the back and it's riddled with thrush, and yet that's as dry as anything. Yeah. No, I, I, I really don't know why. I don't know if it's our, our diet, our husbandry, or what it is, or whether it's just something we need to manage and it's always going to be there. Well, when you, when you get the answer, Lindsay... <laughs> Uh, to get it soon <laughs> then then let us all know because um i know how meticulous you are about things and you'll probably chase that that problem until you get an answer look it's been brilliant talking to you, Thank you. Uh, we've got two days of lectures and, uh, and a joint dissection together yeah so we've got plenty of other things to do but all i can say is thank you for your time and sharing your thoughts oh it's a pleasure thank you so much Well, that was a great discussion with Lindsay. We even got into talking about what is natural, because, of course, barefooters and, and others will often claim that their method of either trimming or even farriers with shoeing is the natural method. And I often feel uncomfortable about that, so we uh, looked at that. But I also asked a difficult question about whether she should put videos out at all when she's not an expert. I think she answered that really very well, and actually I agree with her answer. But I also questioned her on her opinion of shoeing, and it's not her term that shoeing is either a necessary or an unnecessary evil, but it did allow us to discuss that in some depth. And, you know, with somebody who leans towards barefooters, and I think... Um, Lindsay, despite being a very intelligent woman, of course, she explains that her initial or maybe even her continual resource of knowledge is barefooters. And therefore, I think she has not really looked at the benefits of showing. And I wouldn't be doing what I've done for 47 years without thinking it brings some benefits. But we, we had a great discussion on that. And I, I'm not sure if if either of us uh, reached a conclusion or the, if this podcast reached a conclusion, uh, but that's part of the joy of doing this. That's really up to you, the listener, to make your decisions on what you have heard during the last 30 or 40 minutes. Uh, I still have some more podcasts to do in New Zealand, and I, I hope you'll keep up with those ones when we get to them. We'd like to thank Hoofcare Essentials Foundation and their partners for sponsoring this episode. You can find out more information at hoofcareessentials.com. You can follow more of Simon's work on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Simon Curtis. To get in contact, please email thehoofofthehorse at gmail.com. And for everything else, go to drsimoncurtis.com. Thanks for listening.